Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Thano, joined, <laughs> can't even say my own name, Ooh. Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the monkey to my po. it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I am feeling spontaneous. And our very own Master Tigris, that's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how's it feel to be Angelina Jolie? Is it cool? Uh, glorious, beautiful, glowing. I mean, I think we already all knew this about Eric anyway, so this is just really confirming Thank you. information we've had for years. I got All the right. lips. So I, I I thought this would be fun. Uh, I combed the, the 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 you know the the news blogs, the newsreels, trying to find like, hey, what's the interesting Seahawks stories this week? And although there's lots of interesting, like, hey, let me break down why Puna Ford is a good disruptor that was on uh, Seahawks Maven, or, uh, you know, oh, I this guy did a. <laughs> there's a guy on Reddit who did an analysis that found out that hey, on a high level, the Seahawks and Rams ran ran and passed and ran the same personnel groups, which is things that, you know, we've been kind of saying there was not a really good uh, Seahawks story. So the best Seahawks story this week is this one. We're going to talk about it. uh, DK Metcalf challenged Tyreek Hill to a race after Tyreek Hill beat Aaron Jones in a race. All right. I thought you were going to do the uh, DK Metcalf apparently sucks at softball. That's oh, a yeah. good story. I, I like how story. he's I like how he struck out and then Jojo Siwa got a double. It was like, <laughs> oh man. It has to be emba- that has to be pretty embarrassing for him. Yeah, you know, uh maybe we should cut the uh the dudes over at Man to Man a little bit of slack because if DK shoots like he does other like eye hand coordination tests, then maybe they do have a chance. He does the he does the um the the hook shot a thousand miles off the backboard like Ben Simmons kind of thing. Yeah, and then like he just uh like he airs up for every rebound, but just misjudges where it's going to be. All right, so let's go ahead and go to the uh the thing though. Do you, who do you think wins the race, DK Metcalf or Tyree Kill, Eric? Tyree Kill, only because right. he's much smaller than DK. I think. DK is probably winning the race, but then once it gets to the end, Tyreek takes takes over a little bit, is able to finish the race. That's a good race, though. I think that would be closer than people expect. Kevin, who do you got? I mean, uh, at the Combine, Tyreek's like a 4-2 guy, and uh, DK's a 4-3 guy. So do we know the length of the race? Uh-huh. Is it 100? So they would probably do 100, yeah. Uh, I think DK has a chance. I think I think DK will make a respectable showing, but I think the Tyreek will end up winning. Okay. Uh, so Stacy Rose and Jake Heaps uh, interviewed some some Rams reporters and uh, Demarco Farr. That that's who they interviewed. And so uh, he had some very complimentary things to say about uh, Shane Waldron. Uh, said, I think the Seahawks are getting a stud. I think they are getting a head coach and waiting at some point out of Waldron. I think that much of him, and that's going to be a big step for Sean McVay to get over without his good offensive coaching staff here. Because he lost, he didn't just lose Waldron. He also lost his other uh, OC. His uh, They have like, they have like, they had like a run game, pass game coordinator situation there. So uh, do you, what do you think about Waldron? Is he, how long is he here? Do you think it's just a stepping stone? to uh to another job is he a, is he a coach on the rise there's a lot of hype out there on a national uh, i was listening to the the ringer nfl show on their national show they had an episode where they they were talking about uh what's the what's the breakouts of this year and one of the one of the writers selected shane waldron as a breakout candidate for this year is the, is shane waldron about to become a, a huge household name eric or is this a is this a little bit too much hype 
I want to temper expectations. I, I would love to believe the hype. We still have a Pete Carroll as head coach issue that maybe he's just going to let Shane do his thing and everything's going to be fine. But that's one reason why I want to temper expectations. Another is that we've, we haven't burned through offensive coordinators, but Russell Wilson has more offensive coordinators in his career than I thought he would at this point. And we're hearing all the right things. But again, I got to see this in motion before I get too excited. The first six games, eight games of last year. Wow. I'd have told you, look at all the hype and look at all the hype we got and look at where it landed us. So, okay. Kevin, what do you think? Is, uh, is the Waldron hype warranted or is it is it going a little too far? So he's coming off of a hot coaching tree in the form of McVay, even though it's cooled down since, uh, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals hired a guy who existed in his sphere of influence and otherwise didn't really show a lot of head coaching promise. So um, Zach Taylor and his his one, what does he have, one or two road wins so far? It's not Um, not very good. It's a tough road to hoe. And so I do think that there's a little bit of like remaining hype on that style of offense, though it's moved into like the Kubiak Shanahan tree more though that comes from the Kubiak Shanahan tree. So that's kind of all jumbled up a little bit. Um, The big thing is like shoddy was getting some head coach talk before last season and the collapse. I think whoever comes in and people feel like they finally get the most out of Russell Wilson or finally get the most out of the Seahawks offense Whoever that is, is immediately going to become a big commodity. So I could see a situation where maybe not one season, unless like, you know, everything immediately sets into place and we have an amazing offense, but maybe like he's here for like two seasons and really has proof of concept that he's able to run an extremely effective offense. Because the whole thing is everyone knows that Pete Carroll is going to require certain things from his offensive coordinator, but it really is his coordinator's offense. And so if it's able to get to height, reach heights or reach sustainability or get to a place that it didn't get under other coordinators, that's something the rest of the NFL is going to notice. And it's going to bump his name up some lists. Yeah. I think one thing is that if the Seahawks do a lot better this season than they did last season, Waldron is going to get an inordinate amount of credit, whether it was him or not, because he, we didn't make a ton of moves, right? We added an offensive guard. We drafted a wide receiver in the third round. We brought in a tight end. Like the, none of these are the kind of marquee moves that you, that you would kind of credit a situation like this. You know, if, if a uh, Tennessee kills it this year and Julio has 1200 yards, everyone's going to be like, well, that was the trade that made their season. You know, right. if, it's not like we signed Kenny Galladay. Yeah. We didn't make a move like that. We didn't make a, we didn't sign a, Trent Williams or anything like that. So yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about how that was kind of, and this, I do think the Seahawks offense takes a small step forward this year, which means he's going to get most of the credit for that. Um, NFL level stories. Uh, Scott Hansen signed a multi-year extension to continue hosting red zone. And I'm just going to say as someone who um, maybe finds a, a way to watch red zone every week, uh, when the difference between uh, Hansen and the the other guys, Hansen is mu- much better. So if, if you, uh, I, good for him. I think that's a really cool concept they came up with for watching football, especially, you know, when the Seahawks game's not on, it's, it's nice to be able to keep up with all of the games and see. And he really summer. makes it work. Yeah. Like he, he has to do a lot of like filling and quick transitions and stuff. And he makes it look a lot easier than it is. And you know that if you watch anyone else trying to do that style show. Um, okay. Nikhil Harry, the trade rumors came up. 
Uh, it says Nikhil. This is a funny story that someone posted. It says Nikhil Harry's trade request reminds me of the old story about the GM whose response to a player wh- wh- who said, "Play me or trade me." Was we did play you, and now we can't trade you. Uh, <laughs> did, did uh, is there anybody who's going to give up anything of value for Nikhil Harry, no. or is he just coming? Cut, so. Is it Cutsville for for Nikhil? Uh, maybe like a conditional seventh, which is right. functionally nothing. We got to bring it up. Ex Seahawks Frank Clark is facing three years for a felony possession of an assault weapon. Uh, is is anything going to come of this, or is he? Does he, he have the fall guy in the car? Right? Is that what we're all we're all going with? We believe that. Yeah, but he's. I don't know. Right now, if you're listening to the press, it sounds like it's going to get more serious. But they could just be grasping for a story. He's rich, so he will probably get off because that's how things work. But um, I mean, this is definitely a problem. And it's definitely not where you want to be spending what you want to be spending your offseason on. So I can see this kind of dragging out because it seems like it's getting a lot of kick up in the media. So it's going to be something that he's probably dealing with through camp. But uh, I imagine any like legal proceedings are going to be after the season. And then it'll the story will just kind of slowly die and he'll end up paying like a big fine. All right. Bo Jackson this week said, if I played during this era, I'd be averaging 350 to 400 yards per game. Bo knows math. Is what? <laughs> Bo thinks he could run for like five thousand yards in the in the current era. Is that what he's trying to say? Rushing? Yeah, I I love Bo. I don't I don't think that's accurate at all. <laughs> I don't even think he, it's close to accurate. Like, what is he talking about? I think that Bo Jackson could have a two thousand yard season in modern NFL because okay. he's a freak athlete, but. Uh, you know, good on him for like thinking that he could do him. Like, yeah, I, does does he watch like NASA? And he's like, I could I could have gone to Mars. Yes. I could have just strapped it to <laughs> my how, and I'd be at Mars. That's, that's how Bo Jackson thinks. Also, was he just talking about baseball? Because you know, yeah, I want to see later on the interview. He's like, if I was playing in modern day Major League Baseball, I'd hit five hundred home runs a season. Yeah. Okay. So then the last thing. Okay, this is a viral photo that made the rounds. Uh, it was posted in the Discord as well. Uh, by uh, I think Tarot Taro most of it, and and uh, that the it was a f- NFL stadium food favorites flavors from fire. Did you guys see this? I posted the link in the in the um, yes, I did. And some chat. of these are really really awful. So, so what, <laughs> what I'm gonna say about this is if you don't know, this they made the way they made this menu is they took an actual uh food item you can order in every stadium and then they made it in this you know uh neutral setting it's like i think it was at epcot or something uh and you could try all the different different stadium treats okay so what i want you to do is i want you to look this over which one do you think sounds the worst eric which one do you think sounds the best and then i'm but while you think about that i'm going to explain one of one of these because i think it is so absurd so First of all, the Seahawks went on here is the chicken and waffle sandwich, which the Seahawks partnered with Azels and they made a uh, chicken and waffle sandwich, and uh, it's pretty solid. I've had it; it's good. You know, you get a, like it's just a nice chicken strip on a little waffle. It's tasty. Okay, so I had to look up though. There's one on here, Eric. Philadelphia Eagles oh, slim chicken. I'm looking at the AFC, so let me move over. Okay, Philadelphia Eagles Slim Chicken. Okay, and I was like, Slim Chicken. It's got a bad name. First of all, it's below Cowboys Cheesesteak Hand Pie. And I was like, why do the Cowboys get cheesesteak, but Philadelphia doesn't? But you know what? I was like, you know what? Maybe this Slim Chicken thing. Okay, so then I looked it up. This was voted the craziest food item in any stadium. Are you ready? I'll give it to you. A Slim Chicken 
is a Frosted Flakes crusted chicken breast <laughs> with melted sharp cheddar cheese and ghost chili honey glazed bacon on oh, a sliced on? apple fritter. Oh, man, this is just taking it so far. I'm in one. I'm in. I'm in You're just in. because. You want it? You want to eat it? I, I don't want to eat the whole thing. I want to I want to try it. <laughs> okay. You want uh, the slim chicken. You want to eat the slim chicken. Well, you got to. Uh, what's the best donut? It's an apple fritter. Uh, yeah. Fried chicken. I'm into it. What's the best cereal? In my opinion, I said this yet earlier today, actually. It's Frosted Flakes. Um, ghost pepper. I know my peppers. It's going to be a slow heat that rises. I mean, I'm guys, I'm in. So I, I spent a bunch of time looking looking these um these up and stuff because I was like, oh what it what do they got here? Like what is this? What's the like what's the Delia's uh ch- chicken sausage uh hot mess? So I looked up that. That's linked chicken sausage with sauteed onions and peppers, cheddar on a comeback sauce, and comeback sauce on a hoagie roll, and it looks hmm. amazing. It looks incredible, by the way. So um okay, Eric, which one do you want to eat the most out of anything on here? Um, probably the, uh, the, t- uh, where was the tots one? Oh uh, yeah. There's the Titan uh, tot steak. It sounds amazing. That's not, that's not a tot steak. That's a tots stack. Stack. Sorry. So did you, did you want to know what comes on the, on the Titan tots stack? Oh, I do. Okay. So on the Titans tot stack, it's 12 ounces of tater tots. That's a that's, lot of tater tots. So I thought sour cream, but somehow pickled, not enough pickled jalapeno peppers, three pounds of pork, butt. <laughs> I'm so smart. <laughs> Cheddar cheese sauce. I'm smart. I'm, I'm Dry, smartest man alive. Uh, green onion, pico de gallo. Uh, yeah, you need that acid. Yeah. So so it's basically just tots, pulled pork, pico, cheddar cheese sauce, and a sour cream, cilantro, pickled peppers, and green onions. What do you think, man? Titan's tots stack. You still I in? I'm still in. Also, right. I already know the worst thing on this menu. What's the worst thing? <laughs> it's the thing that isn't exotic at all. The Las Vegas Raiders garlic fries. Why is why did the Raiders get garlic? That's like that's like basically saying like your stadium sucks. Were you the were the eighty year old people in Vegas voting? Ah, those you don't, fries are garlic. You don't on. have a signature food item. You are out. <laughs> you uh you have you get nothing. And uh, I want this Permanti Bros Pittsburgher. Uh, you know it's got the French fries on it, like the Permanti. Yeah, Bros so style. I've had Permanti, and it's it is exactly what it sounds like. I think that's my pick for number one. And uh, I think if I had to pick what not to get, it's the Indianapolis Colts Cajun yeah. Mac and Cheese Bowl. Because when I think Cajun food, I do not think Indianapolis Colts. I don't think Indianapolis. We're like, what, 900 miles away from, from Indianapolis. And yeah. like, I, I don't think I don't think I think Cajun Mac and Cheese Bowl is probably the worst thing on here. So that's going to be a large bowl yeah. of regret. <laughs> it's going to be the worst. All right. Well. I don't know if you guys noticed, but Kevin didn't talk at all during this. Kevin, are you back? I might be. All right, you, you are, are back. Okay, so Kevin, do we uh, we each picked our favorite and least favorite off of the uh, the board here? So, did you have a favorite and a least favorite from uh, from the board here? One you wanted to try the most? One you tried the least? Did you hear my description of the slim chicken? By the way, uh, no, but I believe I had seen it before. It has something to do with a chicken sandwich wrapped within a donut of some yeah, variety. It's, a, it's an it's a it's a chicken okay. sandwich with ghost pepper bacon on an apple fritter. <laughs> I don't know how much I love or hate that. Okay, so what's the thing you want to try the most? Which the Eric picked the ta- the Titans tot stack, which is basically like pulled pork tater tots with with a nacho cheese sauce on top. Pretty cool. 
I took the uh, Empromancy and Pico de Gallo, Burger. Kevin. I might go with the hot mess. Okay, the hot mess, which we talked about already. Nice choice. I agree with that. That is a very appealing choice. Which one of these would you pass on? The Red velvet one? whoopie pies. Red velvet whoopie pies. <laughs> Actually, those look good when I Googled them. But uh, Eric said no to garlic fries because it's like what? the least unique thing on here. Like, Well, see, I like gar- garlic fries, but is, if I'm going for unique, like... You can get that in all of pass. these stadiums. You can get. The, I bet you. Actually, can... I I take that back. Fried chicken and red velvet waffles sounds worse than red velvet whippy pies. I don't think red vel- velvet's bringing anything to the chicken waffles situation. What if? But... What if they're? Uh, what if they're like putting like some cream cheese frosting on the chicken too? It could be. Really oh, weird. that's oh. not good. But I have an even worse thing. Okay. What? Uh, so the New York Giants is kitchen sink sandwich. I'd like to bring up that on their assistant coaching staff. One Freddie Kitchens. Ooh. So if it's a kitchen sink sandwich, that means it's going to like start off seeming like it's pretty good, but by the second bite, it's going to taste horrible, and it's going to take you a year to get rid of so, it. So do you know? Do you want to know what is on the the kitchen sink sandwich? Sure. Want, Whatever is. Oh, oh, also, Actually, dessert nachos is not my favorite idea. Either. It is. It does not look good, by the way. Kitchen sink sandwich looks it, gross. It is a chicken sausage, sweet sausage, hot dogs, peppers, and onions, cherry peppers, fried potatoes, and a red wine aioli. Uh, uh, a red wine aioli, that I seems read, bad. And to get to this, I had to read an article about like everything. They have a hot chicken sandwich on there at their stadium that looks incredible. And they also have a s'mores pie empanada in New York. So uh, why is that not the thing they picked? Anyway. Yeah, so I'm going with kitchen sink sandwich for my hard pass. And I'm going with, uh, with the hot mess because I have made that style sandwich before. And it's pretty good. Also, Dungeness crab pretzel sounds gross to me. Uh, 49ers, get out of here. Okay. The, now we can get into our uh, division previews now that we've thoroughly broken down the, the food there. And uh, let's go ahead and do it. We got cow. Uh, we're going to start off in the we're in the NFC East and the Cowboys last year went six and ten. They added Keanu Neal, Terrell, Terrell Basham, Tyne and Brent Urban. They lost Andy Dalton, Chidobia Woozy, Xavier Woods, Tyrone Crawford, drafting Micah Parsons, Kelvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright. Seahawks connection, Seahawks defensive and Alden Smith uh, is was on the Cowboys last year. So, Kevin, start us off. What do you think about the Cowboys this year? So, last year, what were the two problems the Cowboys had on defense? Well, the three yeah. problems they had overall. Uh, number one, health on the offense. Uh, their offensive of line and quarterback died. Yes. And number two, they had uh, a lack of a pass rush. And when they also couldn't get to the passer, they uh, also couldn't cover. Mm-hmm. And in order to address those things, they lost their best coverage corner. They lost their second best pass rusher. Mm -hmm. And they added a lot of will linebackers. So that's concerning. They listed Chauncey gold Goldston Goldston as a pass rusher on their initial depth chart. So that's neat. uh, Yeah. So they're, they're definitely trying to do a thing there. I will say this. They defense sucked and they did spend five draft picks on the, in on defensive players in the first three rounds. Yeah, I just feel like, okay, so they got Micah Parsons, who's going to come in and be pretty good. Kelvin Joseph is a project. Uh, Chauncey Golston and Oso Digazua are two guys who are probably more like rotation players. Uh, Deshaun Wright is likely to never be anything, but at best is a giant project. Josh Ball is unlikely to be able to offer anything right away. Jabril Cox is a bit of a sure thing, so that's two linebackers once again, but not other spots. Simi Fahoko, the rest of the guys they drafted are again like giant projects that might hit but they're not going to hit year one so i feel like the defense is still going to be bad but the offense is going to be i mean if they just have a healthy dac all season they're gonna have like a top five offense 
um, with the weapons that he has to throw to, uh, especially if they decide to use their better running back in Tony Pollard. Shots fired. So what did you you put him at? So I put them at 10 and 7, and they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, I have uh, similar opinions on this. Their offense is pretty incredible on paper. Uh, they even have a little bit of depth. They have good one good backup offensive lineman. Their wide receivers are really good up and down. The running backs are really good. Tony Pollard is not better than Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, but but uh, they they have a really, really good offense. And Dak Prescott is the key. If they can keep him healthy and upright, he will have a very good season. I, don't, I think a, there's going to be like a little bit of a Demarcus Lawrence resurgence this year. He was not uh, as good as he could be last year. And that's kind of why I'm banking on their defense. And that scheme was garbage too. Demarcus Lawrence being Demarcus Lawrence again. He's not old enough where I think he should have, uh, he shouldn't bounce back to a uh, 100%. And I generally think the defense will be passable. Uh, not good, but passable. Uh, Dan Quinn is an overrated defensive coordinator, and I think that that was kind of a wrong choice for them. They really should not have got Dan Quinn, but hope that works out for them. Uh, I I mean, I like Dan Quinn slightly better than... Uh... Than Mike Smith? I mean, yeah, he's better than Mike Smith because Mike Smith was yeah. awful. Yeah, they, they made a step up, but like Dan Quinn is probably the 20th best defensive coordinator in, in the league. And I think that Dallas fans probably look at that higher and go, yeah, we can run that Seahawks defense. We get This is going to be one of the best teams in the league, uh, defense in the league. Anyway, I'm at hey, 11. And you, you missed a chance to say it. Uh, Dan Quinn is the Mike McCarthy of defensive coordinators. Yeah. Right. Ooh, I don't know if it's that bad. Mike McCarthy sucks. Their coaching staff is not good. I, I do not like any part of this coach. I think Kellen Moore is a pretty good coach. That's exactly what I was about to say. And John Fossil, like he's a good special teams coach. Yeah. Just don't put him in charge of your whole team. All right. I I have them at 11 and six though. So I think they're good. They're, they're really good. They're going to be a tough out. And also they get to play the Eagles twice. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's two wins. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyone who gets to play the Eagles twice. That's that's good news for you, my friends. All right, Eric, what do you got? The, for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, just a couple of quick points that, you know, we kind of touched on at four and 12 last year coming up with, you know, six, seven more wins is going to be tough. I have them at 10 and seven, a very stupid record. Uh, but I want to point out Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you, you pointed out that Zeke's better than Pollard and, you know, Kevin doesn't like Zeke Elliott thinks Pollard's better. I'll say this. They did not stack the line against Zeke every single down and Zeke disappeared last year. If he can have a plus season, trade his ass and get some money under the cap and get the the pieces you need, Dallas. Uh, Dak Prescott, you know, I don't know. Last year, I really learned to like that guy a lot, and I, I'd like to see him win somewhere else. How's that? <laughs> Who, Dak Prescott? Or, yeah, or is he- Dak Prescott. I mean, he won't be traded, but I like Dak. I'd like to see him win, but it's tough because he's on the Cowboys, and I don't want to see them win. Yeah, I. You would have to say about that, Eric. Time present and time past are both perhaps present in time future, and time future contained in time past. If all time is eternally present, all time is unredeemable. Dear Lord. Ezekiel T. S. Eliot. Oh yeah, thank you. Uh, all right, so <laughs> see, uh, that's the... a little, little inside joke for the uh, the uh, Patreon listeners. Join the Patreon yeah, now. Yeah. Giants, Giants went six and ten last year. They added Kenny Galladay, Adoree Jackson, Kyle Rudolph, and John Ross. They lost Dalvin Tomlinson, Cameron Fleming, Colt McCoy. They didn't lose very much because nobody wants to sign ex Giants. Uh, they drafted Kadarius Tony as Iso Jolari and Aaron Robinson. Seahawks connection Larry Izzo, our special teams coordinator, is used to coach for 
the Giants. Eric, start us off. What do you think about the Giants? Wow. All the players that the Giants lost, all the names, all the big names. Uh, I, what can you say about the Giants? Daniel Jones, I don't think he's maybe as bad as people think. I don't know how good he's going to be. I think it's pretty cool that they got Kenny Galladay. That's a huge win for this team and a huge loss for everyone else. John Ross will maybe be able to play down in the NFL. It'll be exciting to see him if he gets to play. Uh, showing up the tight end position with Kyle Rudolph over Evan Ingram. Uh, that, that just gives them another weapon there. Don't shade. That's... <laughs> I would like to say that Daniel Jones is going to take a step forward this year. I, I will even go out of limb and say he's going to take a step forward. Having said that, I don't think that this team is going to get over seven wins. And I have them at seven and uh and and uh and ten. I almost said seven and eleven, but uh I don't know why I wrote that down. So seven and ten. So uh for for me, the Giants, when I look at the moves they made, it's like a team that thinks they are close. And I don't really think they were close. <laughs> Their quarterback is still Daniel Jones, and until they realize that that is a problem, this team will fail to progress in any significant way. They had six wins last year; they will have six wins this year, six and eleven. Uh, that I do not, I do not love what they did. This, I mean, Galladay is good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you you airdrop Aaron Rodgers into this offense, and I'll give him 10, 10 11 wins, no problem. Like that's how that's how much uh, Daniel Jones is not doing for me here. It's he just sucks, and he's not good. He fumbles a lot. He he runs so fast that he trips um, himself. That's a Turf man monster. who wants to win. And uh, I don't say Saquon Barkley. Like at this point, can he even really stay healthy? Like, is that even a player that we can count on as as being a guy for them? Probably not. So yeah, I'm 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 kind of just out on the, the Giants in general. All right, Kevin, what do you what do you think, New York Football Giants? I want to like the Giants a lot more because I actually do like a lot of the moves that they made. Um, I feel like bringing in a Dory Jackson across from James Bradbury gives them probably one of their best defense, their best defensive backfield they've had in a long time. Because I a, think Darnie Holmes can be pretty solid. They've got good, good DB guys. core. I agree. Like a Logan Ryan and Peppers at safety too is pretty nice. Um, yeah, and uh, then they're able to keep uh, Leonard Williams and him and Dexter Lawrence make the foundation of a good defensive line unit. Bringing in Aziz Ojolari gives them what should be a pass rushing upgrade. I think Ryan Anderson will give them anything that Kyler Fackrell will. They need like a step forward from either uh, Lorenzo Carter or O'Shane Zimenez because um, they kind of need that other pass rusher. They're still kind of light on pressures, but the upgrade to coverage should help with that as well. So their defense is interesting. Their, their defense is maybe like a pass rusher short. On offense, they've got a couple of pretty solid tackles. Um, what Kenny Galladay does that's nice is he comes in and slots as their number one guy, which means that Darius Slayton just has to be the other guy on the outside, which means that John Ross can just be the gadgety fast guy when they need one. Darius and Slayton's job is to just burn single coverage. Like exactly. He can, he, can he can definitely do that. Right. And then Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard kind of get to fight for those uh, slot snaps to be able to um, provide some flexibility there. So I like Kenny Galladay turns it from a below average receiver core into a good receiver core. So that's really nice. But the interior of their offensive line is, uh, I would kindly call it questionable. And 
Daniel Jones would need to take like a Josh Allen level leap in the third season, which I realize that has happened exactly once in NFL history. And that was last season. But like, that's not like a thing that we can just say happens now. So I think Daniel Jones isn't going to be the reason that they lose. I think the interior of the offensive line is a bigger problem, but Daniel Jones isn't enough to get them over the hump in place of that. So uh, what sucks is like if they just kept Alvin Tomlinson and Kevin Zeitler, I would think the team was a lot better, but they didn't. So here we yeah, sit and I not, have them at seven having, and 10 letting Zeitler go and how little money he ended up getting. Paid Gosh, that's pretty, so frustrating for them. Must be pretty, they, I mean, he must've just wanted to be out of there though. And I don't, really I mean, he him. had the worst season of his career by far. So I'd say you're right. All right. Eagles last year went four, 11 and one. They added Anthony Harris, Joe Flacco, Eric Wilson, Ryan Kerrigan. They lost Carson Wentz, Nick, Roby Coleman, Jalen Mills. They drafted Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, and Milton Williams. Uh, the Seahawks Connection linebacker Alex Smith was a practice squad legend for these guys. Kevin, you're up first. This on the Eagles. What do you think about uh, Nick Sirianni's squad here? Okay, so the Philadelphia Eagles went 4-11-1 last season. They proceeded to go out and get Devontae Smith, who should be an upgraded wide receiver, Landon Dickerson, who should be able to provide some quality offense, interior offensive line play, though the interior of the offensive line wasn't bad when healthy last season. And then from there, they decided to sizably downgrade in coaching staffs, lose Jalen Mills, and like lose a couple of pieces along their defensive line. I, I don't know. I don't really see where this team got better, and I see where in coaching they got considerably worse. So I don't see them having a better record than they had last season. And last season they were four eleven and one. So this season I have them at three and fourteen. So here's the thing about the Eagles for me, okay, is that the the offensive line is good if it stays healthy. But that's such a but big that, question. But this offensive line has been very unhealthy for a long time now, and I just there's no level of trust that I have with this offensive line to stay healthy. Well, and they're old. Jalen, yes, Jason Kelsey, ten-year veteran. Uh, Lane Johnson, eight-year veteran. Like these guys are have been around the block. Jalen, putting everything on the back of Jalen Hurts is a questionable decision in the best of situations. If Jason Kelsey gets hurt, all of a sudden now we are in big trouble, right? Like this is now a, a, a it's going to be a young, unproven, bad or young, unproven center, Landon Dickerson, playing next to. Uh, Playing, hiking the ball to Jalen Hurts, who is, uh, like I said, it's questionable to build your offense around him. The defense could be good, but just like the offense, they're one injury away from being pretty bad. I don't like this team at all. It's the, it's one of the, and like Kevin said, this coaching staff does nothing for me. I do not like this coaching staff at all. I'm, a, I'm gonna go three and fourteen as well for the Ooh. Eagles. I, I had them in the gutter. I think that this is the worst non-Texans team. If the Texans get uh Deshaun Watson back for any games they're better than the Eagles I just don't, don't like what they did they were bad last year there's no reason they won't be bad this year going Wentz was really bad last year and somehow I think going to Hertz is actually going to be worse some, some somehow and uh yeah go ahead Eric what do you think you got yeah. the Eagles at like eight wins or something 
No. <laughs> Whoa, where is that coming from? Uh, I'm ho- I'm hopeful. I want some one of us to be on a, a different spot just so that if they surprise one of us is right. The Guys, fact that we both dropped a three win season on them is tellingly awful. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little bit different of a take here. So this is a team that you know they're they're not far removed from a Super Bowl and mighty have fallen so far. I believe that they are in full rebuild mode meaning that they are stocking up for this coming draft that will have a lot of good players. They want to develop those players under a coach that probably isn't going to win a lot of games. So in two, three years, they can restock with an awesome new coach uh, and and attack the playoffs and maybe make a Super Bowl run again. For that reason, uh, we all know how bad ties are. I think it's an improvement when you don't have a tie. Guys, I have this team at 4-13. and 13. Okay, all right. Yeah. Eric's Eric's so Ooh. high on the eight. four wins. Jeez, get with it. All and right. I gotta be honest, I almost got him to five. So watch out. Watch out, guys. Eagles are coming. On the right, rise. Well, fly Eagles fly. Go birds. Next, next we have the poorly run football team. Poorly run football team went seven and nine last year, securing a playoff spot. They added William Jackson the third, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Curtis Samuel, and Carrion Johnson, losing Ronald Darby. Uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Ryan Kerrigan in the draft. They added Jameen Davis, Sam Cosme, Benjamin St. Juice, Seahawks Connection, Seahawks Legend cornerback Lyndon Stevens is on the squad this year. Oh, that's right. Lyndon Stevens finally going to make it, right? This is the this is the year. Uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful for him. He's always He was always a guy like I thought could, could be good, and now he's 26 and uh, just continues <laughs> to bounce around the league, so prob- I'm probably wrong. All right, Eric, what, what do you think about the poorly run football team? So I kind of thought you were going to start because the supposed starter of this team is Nathan Sano's favorite quarterback of all time, Fitzmagic. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Would you say favorite or or would you say like I like pictures? I like looking at pictures of him. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite quarterback to sneak into a conversation to say something along the lines of Fitzpatrick is actually pretty good. And everyone goes, yeah, I know. He's, he's all right. So uh, he's, he's at, like the he's like the twenty fifth best quarterback in the league. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but as far as beards go, top two. number one, yeah. uh, best at wearing Deshaun Jackson's uh, Deshaun Jackson's jacket slash uh, necklace. Yes, that's a one. Number one. I, I would imagine that Heineke. Uh, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a ridiculous name for a quarterback. At some point, we'll start this season. Uh, last season, what they do, they. They were terrible, and then they ran off a bunch of wins to come from behind. I I like that this team has has some good players. It has some talent. This is what the the Washington football team is. What the Giants think they are. The Giants, like you said, think they're close. I think that the Washington football team is somewhat close. They've got a lot of young players. They've got a lot of players that need to go. Ugh, this is this is really hard for me. Because I, I had like three different records for this team and I just couldn't get around their schedule in in a in a way that I really liked. You know, playing the Eagles twice. Uh, I'm sure that they will probably beat the Cowboys once. Uh, they play the AFC West. There's some wins to be had here. Um I have this team going nine and eight. All right. So here's the thing about the Washington football team. Last year, their defense and uh, ancillary pieces were so good that the corpse of Alex Smith and his question mark shaped leg was able to lead them to a bunch of wins and get them into the playoffs. Okay. The, 
the fact the are we calling is, seven a bunch i mean a bunch come seven is seven is fine you know that's like a that's rattling that's a respectable off. number of wins for how terrible the offense was i agree right. i'm just saying for, and out under alex smith they were they were actually you know a winning team right so so that there's a that all they needed all they needed was alex smith they went five and one when alex smith was the quarterback with him averaging uh let's see average depth <laughs> average yards per attempt of 5.3 yards Okay, they, their offense was uh, ancient, and they went five and one with Alex Smith. That's insane. Okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick is light years better than Alex Smith, uh, just many magnitudes better. Even if he does turn the ball over a little bit, this defense is good enough to kind of absorb some of that blow. I love the moves they made this offseason. Uh, bringing in Curtis Samuel, a guy that they draft that they drafted in Carolina, they know very well exactly what they're getting to replace what they were using JD McKissick for last year. That is a huge upgrade. JD McKissick was second on this team in targets last year. Now here comes Curtis Samuel to kind of take that that slot inside receiver role and take those targets away. And he is very good, underrated, and he can go deep too. A lot of people think Curtis Samuel is just a gadget guy. That guy can get open all over the field. I love what they what they what they did there on defense. I mean, this defense was already so good. Then they draft a guy like Benjamin St. Juice, who me and Kevin both have talked up a lot to develop because they have William Jackson and Kendall Fuller. They don't need him to play this year at all, but they have this nice piece that they can work on in the background. I the Davis thing I felt like was a huge reach, but when I look at their roster, I get why they did it. They don't need to draft uh, anyway. they they were like hey this is the position we want to draft and this is the guy we want to draft and i you know i'll trust them to to make the judgment there because ron rivera has shown he's a pretty good football coach i like this team a lot i wish they had a quarterback i was more confident in than ryan fitzpatrick but i'm just going to go out on a limb anyway i don't care 12 and 5 number two seed in the, in the nfc kevin what, what do you think I feel like I lost a little thunder there. So they had the opposite wide receiver situation the Giants did. Um, they had Terry McLaurin, but what they didn't have was a legitimate number two, number three, or number four receiver behind him. So they went about fixing that situation. Antonio Gandy-Golden has another season. Kelvin Harmon has another season. They got Curtis Samuel, who we know is a good playmaker. They drafted Diami Brown in the third round. They signed Adam Humphreys. The odds of getting at least two solid wide receivers to compliment Terry McLaurin out of that batch of talent are high. So I really like what they did with their wide receiver room. Then you look at their offensive line. They picked up Eric Flowers, who I think is slightly overrated while still being an upgrade for them and a solid pick at left guard. So the interior of their offensive line is pretty solid. They've got Charles Leno. They picked up Cornelius Lucas. And so they have... Um, and so even though they lost Morgan Moses, I don't feel like there's a sizable downgrade at tackle overall. And that's assuming Sam Cosme isn't able to come in and take one of those two jobs. Right. That guy was a spark monster. Huge, huge measurables, right? Yeah. And so if it turns out that he's kind of ready to go, I don't see a reason why he couldn't be really successful. Antonio Gibson in season two, I think that's a really exciting player um, to have on your roster. Their offense has a lot of really good weapons and really good pieces to surround Ryan Fitzpatrick which means that, you know, uh, it's kind of like what happened in Miami last year where there's enough around in order to be able to kind of ride the uh, variability in Fitzpatrick's play. And then, like you already said, this might be the best. Like, you could make the argument that this is the best defense in the NFL. They lost Ronald Darby, and then they proceeded to upgrade with William Jackson who is a better corner. They drafted Derek Forrest, who might be able to come in and steal Cameron Curl's 
uh, uh, box safety job. Um, they drafted Benjamin St. Just, who, if he ends up panning out quickly, they get to move Kendall Fuller to kind of that slot safety corner spot where he's extremely good. If not, oh darn, you still have Kendall Fuller on the outside. Like, this is a really cool group. The, I, I'm, I'm with you. The Jameen Davis was not my favorite pick, but in general, the way this roster is constructed and with a quality coaching staff, I see no reason why they're not going to push for a playoff spot. I also have them at 12 and 5. Do you do you think like J- Jameen Davis too? They see like what uh, the Buccaneers did, putting a rock solid linebacker like Levante David next to someone who has great physical tools and can freelance a little bit in Devin White, and and they say, you know what? Yeah, Jameen Davis is going to make some mistakes, but we have a rock here in John Bostic that we can just say we know this guy's going to be doing what he's supposed to do and he can make up for the fact that Davis is going to screw up sometimes. And then you get the, the thing about that is you get those splash plays, right? You get those splash plays out of guys like out of Devin white, or in this case, Jameen Davis that are yeah. going to make, make, make it worth it. I think that's a solid point. I had a different name in mind. Um, thinking about it being a, uh, being a, uh, riverboat Ron job. I was like, Oh, he's their new Shaq Thompson. Mm-hmm. Just a freak athlete at linebacker who they can have go and do freak athlete stuff. Yeah, just like they put. I think like one thing I've, I'm I'm learning is that like I watch Devin White tape and I'm like, man, this guy screws up sometimes, right? He's not perfect, but if you put him in a system where the guys around him are doing what they're supposed to do, he makes up for it by being such a freak and doing other things, right? Like he get, he can make up for the bad play with a good play on the other side and you're not going to get killed by the bad play because oh wait, you have a great guy playing right next to him. So, all right. Uh this apparently this podcast really loves football team. What's going to happen is their stadium's going to injure like five guys knees cuz their field is the worst and then uh, we'll all be well all look stupid. That's true. I forgot to dock two wins for having the worst owner in the NFL. Yeah. All right. So, uh, which is a high bar. It's very high. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, be like Blake, be like Corey. Head over to only12s.com. Click anywhere on the screen. And uh, for as little as $1.24 a month, join the Patreon where fantasy football content is going to start appearing soon. And on top of that, okay, on top of that, the fantasy football season is in full swing. In the first week of August, we're going to be making the leagues and making the drafts. And if you want to be in the, one of those leagues, you head over to the Fantasy Football Channel in the Discord. It's Patreon exclusive, and uh, there's prizes. You know, you could win. You could win something really great, like a Tyler Lockett rookie patch. Oh wait, no, no, that one. That one is going to Keith. He already won it. Flock won. You guys can't get that one, but you could win a DK. We could win Met- great prizes like that. You could win a DK Metcalf. Uh, rookie patch auto which is what uh, i i won last year and put back in the pool because i'm you know i basically i'm like a bone collector you know like you guys just didn't win a prize this year take that uh, so so uh, 18 people in the league plus three is 21 we need nine more so go in and discord hit the fantasy football channel all skill levels welcome uh please uh, it'll be a lot of fun andy thank you andy brett greta james carrie lucas ryan timothy tom emmanuel astro bob casey flock Foles, jay Karen, Leon, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, uh, Nick, and Brandon for supporting the show. You guys are awesome. And uh, yeah, so let's go to a movie club. Uh, this week, you guys both watched movies that starred the same actor. So uh, I felt a little uh, left out, but I decided to watch one too. So you guys, 
Uh, but mine is I actually did watch one of these movies in the last two weeks, but yours is going to be a little surprising. All right. So what uh, we watch movies starring uh, film action star Jackie Chan. So we're going to do like a little mini movie club on three different chronological. Uh, let's start with you, Kevin. I think let's just I think because you watched your you brought it up first and as an idea. And I think it's great. So you watched police story. So let's talk a little police story. What what do you think? All right. Yeah. So I watched uh, 1985's Police Story. It is uh, directed by Jackie Chan and starring Jackie Chan. This is part of a string of well, this is a series as well as part of a string of successful uh, Jackie Chan directing and acting performances um, through the 80s and early 90s that kind of launched him into his international career and what would eventually become Rush Hour and everything else. Um, I really enjoy this movie because I think that the uh, stunt spots and the uh, action sequences are as good as it gets. Um, Jackie Chan is known for the way that he handles his stunt crews. Um, They will do one bit a billion times, whether it's a fight scene or a comedy piece. Like there's a scene in this movie where he's answering like nine different telephones and mm-hmm. it's 1985, so they all have cords. And so there's this part where he needs a pencil, and he kicks the desk and flips the pencil in the air and catches it to take his notes. He did that like 200 times until he was able to do it just right. The because physic- the physicality that Jin- this is like a Jackie Chan thing, and I think yep. it's gonna come up in all of these. But the physicality, the way he uses his body, is unparalleled. It there's just nothing. And this movie is like the perfect example of it. If you want to see why we should have a choreography o- Oscar. Just watch this movie. This is yep. why there should be a yeah. choreography Oscar. Yeah, absolutely. And then, the, uh, okay, so in this movie, um, Jackie Chan plays a uh, police detective and they are trying to close out an organized crime case and things go a little bit sideways and he ends up having to do the witness protection thing for a reluctant witness. Um, and then people obviously are going to come try and kill the witness and he has to protect them. And so the end of this movie is literally uh, like over 20 minutes of a solid action set piece in a mall with very little dialogue. And they do their storytelling through the action choreography. It's all facial and positioning and like you can see the struggle and how things are going and it's all played out without having to narrate any of it for you. And I think that speaks to what Jackie Chan does extremely well as a director, as well as an actor, which is, you know, telling a story without having to find the words for it. Yeah. So if you really like practical effects and you really like stunt work, what? this is a movie you should see. Okay. Two things about this movie. Uh, one, the way that Jackie Chan is able to pretty seamlessly switch between uh, like the like just like doing a choreographed fight scene where he's punching someone and then using the environment to enhance that fight scene is uh, pretty incredible and something that I think many people have tried to copy but no one really captures you know it just turns into people breaking like two by fours over each other's backs they don't really oh, get yeah. like they don't really get what made what makes uh, Jackie uh, Jackie style sword and the two things is that his physical comedy, uh, the way he does his pratfalls and just like he's funny and like his there's face. a part there's a part in this movie where he moonwalks to wipe poop off his shoe and, like, <laughs> yes. i think it's like i think it's like a, just a great example of like uh jackie chan 
does funny stuff. You know what I mean? Like there's funny stuff in Jackie Chan movies. He uses humor and comedy in a way that a lot of action movies just wish they could because it's so natural. You know what I mean? It's just so uh, comes so naturally. Well, and because he cut his teeth in uh, kind of the tail end of the height of the martial arts movies in the seventies, he ends up working with a lot of really talented people like Maggie Chung's in this movie. She is a really, really strong actress. Um, who's been in a lot of things, uh, including like in the mood for love and hero in kind of more recent times, uh, really quality dramatic actress or, uh, Bridget Lynn, who's been, who's in, uh, Chunking Express. Like, so this is, so like, not only is he a good actor and director and he's able to carry it, but people who are also talented want to work with him. And so you end up with, uh, you know, kind of the sum of the parts are greater than, or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, and the parts are really good. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't have much anything. You want anything about Police Story, Eric, before we move to the next movie? Uh, I, I have this movie on my queue. I've seen it a long time ago. I just remember this movie is funny, but it takes a while to get there. Like the beginning has, does it have like some, it's kind of like they're in the slums and it's kind of intense. Yeah, they're doing a stakeout and uh, uh, things kind of go sideways. There's a part where they're doing a downhill like car chase where the cars are driving through uh, like a shanty town and like the um, propane cooking pots and stuff are exploding. It's pretty intense. And then the uh, bad guys hijack a bus Ah, and he has to like try and chase the bus down, which again, good blend of comedy and action. Because it's kind of ridiculous having a high speed chase with the bus and someone literally physically running the bus down. Yeah, there over, the, over hills. Things about this movie too is that, like, this this movie is uh, non. It's relentless. It's a hundred minutes long and it never relents. It never yep. lets up. Like, there's just no there's no time to breathe. Barely. It's it's so good. Uh, and it's just yeah. It's like, per- I think this is Jackie Chan's most perfect movie. If I had if I had to be honest, I think that. If it's the, it most typifies his style. Yeah, it's about to say I agree. It embodies what he does very well. Yeah. All right, Eric, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm going with Rumble in the Bronx. Rumble in the Bronx came out in 1996. This is Jackie Chan's uh, foray into American cinema. So, uh, getting ready for this, I did find a a piece of uh, trivia that I think maybe you said a couple years ago, Nathan. But so there were people who wanted to bring Jackie Chan over into America. And so they were like, hey, this this film would be great for you. And he'd be like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait it out. Um, He was offered the role of Simon Phoenix in Demolition Man by Sylvester Stallone. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. When he would his the way that Snipes played that role, it had to have been complete written completely different. There's no absolutely no way that he was doing that. Oh, you yeah. know, they would have had him be like the silent assassin, which I do think would not have shown him off nearly as well. They probably would have uh, made it less campy and it would have been a little more serious. But which is uh, unfortunate because Jackie does campy really well. No, yeah, like, in the, like in this movie, when he when he's wearing uh, that gray short onesie. <laughs> <laughs> that, so uh, that's I was, movies, baby. I It's a sad thing for me to admit one. I it's not sad for me to admit that I love Rumble in the Bronx because I'm not watching it for the story. I'm watching it for the nonstop action and the fun. It is the definition of a fun movie. Um, but I feel like 
the director and the writers of this movie, not Jackie Chan, like, okay, we're going to make an American Jackie Chan movie. We really got to dumb this down because I don't think Americans are going to like the the plot we yeah, you're like, not watching this movie for the story, and also the dubbing is terrifying. Yeah, I was going to say, what about the so ridiculous great. dubbing? It's oh so gosh. funny. And some Americans are too dumb to read subtitles. We better dub this poorly. I well, really feel like this movie almost feels like a parody of what yes. Americans think. think <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, it's because there's people speaking English, and it's dubbed. People speaking Chinese, and it's dubbed. And it's it's funny for all the wrong reasons. Like the kid who uh, he gets a brand new Game Gear. And there's no game in the Game Gear. That is not a good production value. You guys got to remember, you got to stick at least one cartridge in the back of that Game Gear. doesn't it's... matter. The batteries would have died like after the first time you tried to film this <laughs> I was about to say, the big thing is that when uh, somebody inevitably got hit by the Game Gear, it didn't knock them unconscious because of the 9D batteries in it. Oh my this... gosh, you need so many batteries. <laughs> this movie is known, though, for how many levels of the big bad guy can we have? It's got more levels than Black Dynamite, and it's just as ridiculous. It's this movie's got everything. It's got car, car stuff. The action set pieces are really good. Yeah, don't yeah. you feel like this movie almost is like a like plays out like a like a like it's like Spider Man or something like where it's like the it's got this this superhero comes from another country and he's just like doing you know doing solving crimes and like helping people and stuff. You know, it's got yeah, like and a, he and he you know tr- kind of doesn't really want to kick anyone's butt, but he. He has to, and then he goes, hey, you guys be nicer. And everyone's like, ah, oh, geez, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> it's a very highly enjoyable movie. And uh, Jackie Chan broke his ankle uh, towards the end. Good thing they filmed that that movie in a linear fashion. Good thing it, they good thing they filmed this movie in obviously not the Bronx. Oh, it like, is uh, filmed just up north in Vancouver, Canada. The Bronx. You can you can you can, you can see in all of the landmarks. Yeah, yeah the the trees and the mountains of the Bronx. It's like it's like, bro, what what where in the Bronx is this? Yes, <laughs> so, I still like, really West Bronx, did the highly people, did the... <laughs> far West Bronx. Highly enjoyable film though. I love him beating up all the Canadian punks, though. It's one of my favorite. All right. So as many of you know, I am a, I am a father of two. And so for me, the Jackie Chan movie I most recently watched is, of course, Kung Fu Panda. And I'm, I'm just going to say that this movie, really good animation. Uh, it actually has like a um, – it's stupid because this whole movie, it's like you, you think like, oh, this movie is just one big fat joke, right? Like he's, he's a panda. He's fat. Ha, ha, ha. Like that's the joke. But it's like actually a really – um, it's really like emotionally it has a lot of emotional weight, like the movie surprising amount, the animation rules. Uh, I think this good is running dream- gags. Yeah. This probably like, like the, like the running gag where he's not movie. adopted, but like they keep almost saying he is like yeah. that. That's really funny to me. And that one, that one makes me giggle every time or like the way that food ends up being his motivation to actually be good at stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's funny uh it's it has drama drama like it, it it's everything you want a really good like kids animation movie to to be right like you want a kid good kids animation movie to have to be fun and have action and keep moving and be have good animation and be bright and colorful but you also want it to have like a like a serious emotional thread that you can tug at to let so that your kid actually like learns something from watching it and isn't just rotting their brain right yeah and, and the finding movie, scenes are done really well this movie surprisingly has a. Uh, uh, emotional weight like that so that's, I, what, I, that's what brings it into the sequel territory when it's got that 
Yeah, I never watched Hitch in the Fields. Feels. So, so uh, they I... are very watchable. I heard like, the third, go ahead I heard the third the... one's really good. Like, yeah, and the like, second like... one's solid. I think it's. I think the second one's underrated. It gets unnecessarily crapped on a bit. Yeah, this is a good, good villain. Fu... This is a good kung fu movie. That's all I'm gonna say. It's like they 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 followed the formula of a good kung fu movie, and just because it has animated pandas and played by Jack Black and Jackie Chan playing a monkey, like doesn't mean that that uh it's it's a bad movie it's 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 solid and very Mm -hmm. watchable and seth rogan as the mantis uh is uh yes yes ian mcshane is awesome like they have some they they if you can get ian mcshane's voice into anything good good call voice talent anyway uh that's that's basically it so if you have a favorite jackie chan movie send it our way tell us what your favorite jackie chan movie unless it's rush hour two keep that to yourself For (laughs) for kevin for eric we will see you next week go hawks Show, show, show.